Explorers have been searching for decades, hoping to find perhaps what would be the greatest archaeological find of all, Noah's Ark. Despite years of disappointment and deadly turmoil, the search goes on. Stay tuned. The word is here recently that they don't want any Ark research done on the mountain. It's kind of discouraging in that regard. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Somewhere in the frozen summits of Mount Ararat, many believe lay the remains of a huge vessel which once carried to safety all the living people and land-dwelling animals of planet Earth. But is Noah's Ark really there? And will it ever be found? Please join us for the next 15 minutes as we hear part one of a special two-part report on the search for Noah's Ark. Today, we'll discuss the Ark itself and the continuing search for it. Next week, we'll hear first-hand accounts from Ark researchers of the life-threatening trials they endured while on Mount Ararat. To begin this program, let's get some details about the Ark. Dr. John Morris, president of ICR, has been to Mount Ararat over a dozen times on search expeditions. The Bible doesn't give us all the details about the Ark, but it does tell us the, the gross dimensions. It gives it in cubits, but that translates to about 450 feet long by 75 feet wide and 45 feet high, a long, skinny, barge-like thing. And not at all like the pictures of the Ark we see in the kids' books, you know, with the houseboat, with the giraffe sticking his neck out, that kind of thing, but... It was more like a floating box. Uh, if you think of it as a football field, this would be one and a half times the length of a football field. Uh, a huge vessel, certainly big enough to hold all the animals and Noah and his family and the, the provisions for the year. It was a well-designed boat. And it certainly had to be built tough enough to withstand the raging waters of the flood. Actually, the length and the cross-section would make the ark's design perhaps the most stable possible uh, design for a ship in the open ocean. The width would keep it facing into the waves so that it wouldn't get broadsided by a huge wave. And the cross-section would show that no matter how much it tilted, up to about 90 degrees, it would still tend to right itself. It would be a most stable and most safe vessel. Many people will not accept the concept of Noah's Ark and even ridicule it. Dr. Morris gives us an example. I was on a secular radio show one time when the, when the announcer was just scoffing at the idea of the Ark. He says, how in the world did God get all the millions and millions of animals on board Noah's Ark? I said, well, you know, how many animals did you have to have in there? And he says, well, I don't know, but it's too many. I said, well, how big was the ark? Well, I don't know, but it wasn't big enough. The ark was big enough. It was huge. And by the way, the number of animals is uh, quite a bit less than you might think. There are millions of species of animals today, but most of them live in the ocean or, or they're bacteria or insects, perhaps. They didn't have to be on the ark. The Bible says only those animals in whose nostrils is the breath of life, those that lived on the dry land, they had to be represented on board. And science has identified the number of animals that that would be, and it's only a few thousand. We can think of animals, but you're going to stop at about 50. You can hardly think of any more than that. So just how many animals were on Noah's Ark? We suspect that there were probably, at the very outside maximum, 50,000 animals on board the Ark, and the average size would be about the size of a rat. Is there room for 50,000 rats on board a huge vessel? Well, of course there is. Now, some of the animals were big, but the average size is a rat or a kitten, something like that. Not at all huge monsters. I think the dinosaurs were probably on board, and some of them were big, although even the dinosaurs, most of them were rather small. 
probably an average sized dinosaur was about the size of a pony, something like that. Many of them were much smaller than that. And of course, we think of the big ones, but even the big ones started out small. So when we're thinking about the giants, maybe those are the very old ones, and that's not who God would want on board the ark. He'd want young, strong, virile individuals. So we're back down to a size that's manageable. The Bible tells us that there were only eight people aboard the ark, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. So how did they provide for some 50,000 creatures? Uh, it would have been a difficult job for Noah and his family to care for all these animals, but it was possible. There must have been some water transport mechanism and food storage and distribution system that made it possible. We don't have all the details. Maybe one day we'll find the ark and look and see just how Noah had it uh, set up. But as of now, we don't know. What well, we do know that it was possible and that Noah and his family were able to accomplish the task. Do we have any idea of how these animals might have behaved during this year-long voyage? It's interesting that uh, modern science has noted that almost every animal that's alive today has the ability to either hibernate or go into a state of, of somewhat dormancy where they would eat very little, excrete very little, exercise very little, or maybe even hibernate where they don't do anything for months. You know, this would be a, a, very, a really good idea for God to do for the animals uh, and, and for Noah and the family to cause them to sit down and rest until it's over. They are encouraged to go into such a state when they are confronted with a danger over which they have no control and from which they cannot escape. Animals just kind of hunker down and wait till it's over. That may have been what happened to many of the animals on board the ark. It just required a minimum amount of care, making the job of Noah and his family possible. Although it's been over 10 years since any ARC research organization has been able to actually explore Ararat, the search still goes on. John McIntosh is president of Search Foundation and the mountain research director for the ARC Research Project. We're continuing to do research here with a group of researchers throughout the world through the Internet. Uh, we're reviewing the material. We're sharing pictures. Just recently, we feel was a major breakthrough was uh, a relatives of a family on the mountain that were actually involved in taking a eyewitness to the ark a number of years ago uh, and we're in the process now of uh, looking at these details and where this area is indicated and so on but uh, yeah we try to stay prepared and ready the uh, ark research project we continue to keep our team members informed and uh, we have occasionally training trips uh, up here in the high sierra mountains to practice with things and so on. So why hasn't there been any recent expeditions to Mount Ararat? Presently, the military is a stopper for the research. They have pretty well taken care of their uh, terrorist problem that was keeping the mountain shut down for the last 10 years. But it still is a military mountain. It's right there on the eastern border of Turkey and next to Iran and so on. Something needs to happen there for them to let us get on the mountain. The word is here recently that they don't want any arc research done on the mountain. And so um, it's kind of discouraging in that regard. We've had some independent researchers getting a little bit done over there. But uh, as far as a main line, uh, large-scale expedition so far, that's still being shut down. So what's the reason the Turkish military won't allow arc research on Mount Ararat? Their main reason they give is security reasons, you know, this military area. Uh, there are a few uh, radical types still running around in the area that uh, are causing problems. Um, it's interesting, the last five, ten years, we've been getting regular reports from the people that live around the mountain and, and from other sources that the military actually knows where the structure is buried on the mountain, that they've found it. 
and they don't want it bothered because it would cause too many problems for them if it's made known. The military is very secular. They're afraid of it inspiring religious fervor, taking away some from their power, plus, you know, to have a religious relic on their mountain, their military mountain, would cause a lot of problems as far as people wanting to get there and so on. Professor James Hall, director of the ARC Research Project, agrees that the Turkish military is preventing more expeditions of Ararat. Well, the military now, I understand that the military uh, is more atheistic rather than um, very, very religious. And they're the ones that have been giving us a hard time getting into the area officially. So that attitude is going to have to change uh, for us to get in there. Although that's discouraging news, Professor Hall has not lost faith that someday Noah's Ark will be found. I've got about 40-some years of research to this particular area. And I'm convinced with our interviews, we've interviewed uh, eyewitnesses who have claimed that they saw the Ark during uh, flyovers during World War II. We have satellite imagery. We have just a lot of uh, evidence pointing to the fact that there is some a man-made structure on Mount Ararat. Dr. John Morris. You know, I've been looking for the Ark ever since the early 70s, I think it was. Um, I've been over there, I think, 13 different expeditions I really do think that something that fits the general description of the ark as given in Scripture um, is up there. And, and where it is, we, we don't know. And we've searched that mountain from one end to the other. We've, we've run into experiences you wouldn't believe, but we just haven't found the ark. Uh, about the time I got started in the search, uh, others began to be involved uh, based on some of my writings and all. And, and over the years, quite a few different expeditions have gone, quite a few individuals we've been able to gather just a great deal of information that indicates that the remains of the Ark may still be up there on Mount Ararat over in eastern Turkey, but we just haven't found the Ark. John McIntosh. Well, I started back in 1978. I've had like 14 research trips there. Seven of those were actual expeditions where we got to climb on the mountain. But we have a small group of very credible accounts that uh, some people have passed lie detector tests about what they were seeing and showing and so on that are holding up. And so I, I feel like we have a, a credible core of credible accounts that are holding up that indicates that uh, there is really something on the mountain. And, and there are hoaxes there. We have found some things that are definitely fabrications and untrue. There are things that have been seen that have been mistaken. Uh, they've been seen from the air. We've found several things that have been mistaken for the ark. Uh, there's a volcanic big basalt formation on the southwest part of the mountain that accounts for some of these sightings. And again, we have done enough surveillance of the mountain and photography of the mountain now that we know that if it's still there, it's buried pretty well, maybe completely buried. And so this doesn't make the job easy. Dr. John Morris. The evidence mainly is in the is in the realm of what we call eyewitness accounts, people that claim to have seen it at one time or another through a history, either a written account or some are still alive but we just can't pinpoint where they saw it, and we can't find it. So, um, you know, the, the search is still going on. Some of the eyewitnesses talk about the ark being broken, that its spine is broken, and it's actually in two different places. I wish I knew. I wish we could find it. Then we'd know, but um, it really disturbs me. We can't find any of it. If there's two of them up there, we ought to be able to find something. But we just don't have it. We don't know what's happened to the ark after the flood. So ends part one of our two-part special report on the search for Noah's Ark. Here's a preview of next week's program. 
the soldiers forced us to lay face down in a ditch and guns pointed at our heads. I, I mean, I thought we were dead. We were attacked by Kurdish terrorists at about 14,000 feet at midnight on the mountain. They were ousted out of our tents, held at gunpoint with AK-47. Before that afternoon was over, we were struck by lightning. I was badly injured. Uh, paralyzed from the waist down for hours lying up in the snow. Look, God taught me a great deal that day of praying and trusting Him. Thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of The Search for Noah's Ark. Be sure to join us next week for Part 2. Also, we wanted to let you know that ICR is giving away a booklet called The Scientific Case Against Evolution. And joining us in the studio right now is Dr. John Morris. Hello, Dr. Morris, and welcome. Hello, Chris. Dr. Morris, how might this booklet help people? Chris, on the program we just heard, I, I talked about some of the perils others and I went through on Mount Ararat while searching for Noah's Ark. i got to tell you, if I wasn't a firm believer in the Bible and its truth about creation, I wouldn't have made all those dangerous trips. This little booklet points out the absolute impossibility of evolution on a scientific basis, although it's written in layman's terms. It uses a lot of quotes from evolutionary scientists themselves to disprove evolution. This booklet will help people understand that evolution is a lie. And what we read about creation in the Bible, including the account of Noah and the Flood, is true. I would encourage everyone to get their free copy. Well, thank you, Dr. Morris. Thank you, Chris. And to get your free booklet, just call 1-800-7-GENESIS. It's yours for the asking. To ask for today's free offer, please call toll-free 1-800-7-GENESIS. That's 1-800-7 and the word GENESIS. And you can address your letters to ICR at P.O. Box 2667, El Cajon, California, 92021. If there's a topic you would like us to cover on the program, then email us at radio at icr.org. ICR's website address is www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, Creation Radio Journal is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.